Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Pod for Good, a podcast who aims to help shine a light on the people and the organizations working hard every day to make Tulsa and the world a stronger and more resilient place. My co-host Chris Miller and I are longtime friends and longtime problem solvers, and while we discuss serious topics seriously, we also both like to make people laugh. So this podcast will be a mix of serious and the silly. I hope you enjoy learning about the people and the organizations you do not know about and learn more about those that you do. Now to our first guest, Leadership Tulsa's Director of Programs and Community Impact, Marcia Bruno Todd. Welcome to our the inaugural episode of Pods for Good, a podcast where we speak with the people in town who are helping to make Tulsa a stronger place. I am Jesse Ulrich, your chief philanthropod, I believe is what we're calling ourselves, and I'll let my other host uh, introduce himself. Uh, my name is Chris Miller, and I believe I'm the vice admiral philanthropod. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are super excited that our first guest is our mutual mentor, teacher, and friend, Marcia Bruno-Todd from Leadership Tulsa. Hi, Marcia. Hi. How's it going today? It's going. Thank you so much for inviting me on. So explain to me a philanthropod real quick, just so, for clarification. Chris and I were brainstorming what you would call podcasters who talk about philanthropy. We came up with philanthropods. We're oh. clever. Yeah. Okay. Just a little bit of wordplay. Okay. That. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the clarification. I, I'm starting to think maybe it didn't land. <laughs> That was one our, to our listening audience of my favorite sound effect of all time, the DJ Airhorn. So, first of all, for the people listening, tell us what Leadership Tulsa is, what it does, and what you do for them. Oh, so an easy question. Yeah. Okay, something super small and simple. Okay, so Leadership Tulsa is a nonprofit organization that convenes leaders from across the city that represent different sectors, like private, public, and nonprofit sector. And has them have them explore the opportunities and challenges of our city and hopefully inspire them to serve. And what do you do? What do I do? I have the distinct privilege of being the director of programs and community impact. That's a really fancy word, but it's not as fancy as philanthropod. So I think I want to use that vice admiral philanthropod. But anyway, what I essentially get to do is I have the coolest job. I get to facilitate and support the facilitation of all of these programs. And essentially, I get to be a connector of people, resources, and really cool stuff happening in our city. You do seem to have a pretty cool job, just from what I've seen. I've seen her more. (laughs) Listen, both Chris and I have been through the uh, Thrive Tulsa Leadership Tulsa program. I'm also almost finished with the other Leadership Tulsa program. That's right. So... So that's two Leadership Tulsa's. (laughs) But Leadership Tulsa, like some other organizations in town, are ones where their time and energy are spent sort of training and sort of bringing people together versus like in the parts of town, in the communities that work is being done. Do you find it difficult to explain what you do to people when you're not physically doing the thing? (laughs) You know what a big chunk of the programs that we do is we call experiential learning which is, I mean, all intents and purposes, it's doing the thing. 
You learn not by talking about the thing, but doing the thing. But the magic sauce, which is not an answer to your question, is whenever you have an opportunity to have people convene of completely different perspectives, because we get so caught up sometimes in our silos of thought, left, right, whatever it may be, red, green, purple, whatever. We don't hear each other think and understand what there may be some intersections where we can make an impact in our city. And that's exactly what Leadership Tulsa does. So if you want an opportunity to be uncomfortable and be pushed a little bit, but also be validated with your story and narrative, that's it. Because you get to have kind of like a, an opportunity to sit at a different lunch table in, in high school. I don't know if that's a good analogy or not, but that's kind of the best way to do it. It's where we, we kind of mix up the game and there's not designated lunch tables and you get to hear from what's happening in different parts of our community, but from different people that have experienced life in a completely different way than you. I think Chris and I sat at the same lunch table for yeah. multiple years. So, the, but still, so that's yeah. still I mean, we, great. We, we that's leverage. That's an we would have happily sat at another table had we been invited. Yes, but and some it, of our friends probably would never have forgiven us because they, we would have tried to drag them along. That's and They true. would have been uncomfortable at the other tables. That's true. Uh, Chris and I are both extroverts, and we, we hang out with a lot of introverts, and so sometimes we drag them along, and they get mad at us. But yep. we don't know because we're like new people, happy times. So I. I agree. One of the things I've loved about both programs is the ability to not only get out of your comfort zone, but physically, geographically go into different areas, meet different people, see different things, learn about stuff in Tulsa that as a native, I didn't know about. How do you ensure that the people in those communities also feel a part of Leadership Tulsa and feel that they're, you know, being positively impacted? Ooh, that is a really good question. Well, quite frankly, all of our class days are also curated and supported by community members. Um, if something is missing, because I think a while back people were talking about negative narratives of certain parts of our city. I think that Leadership Tulsa provides an opportunity where we can change that narrative and we could have members of those com like different communities help elevate certain things for a class day, number one. And two, if you feel uncomfortable, there's a reason for it. Let's not avoid it. Let's try to reflect and figure out what's our role in that. If like, what can you do to change that? And is it, does that make sense? I don't know if yeah. I'm, yeah. but to, to answer your point, we include, we include community. It's, it's led by community. We're invited in. We didn't, something that I really respect out of Leadership Tulsa is quite frankly, I wouldn't have joined if it weren't for the Hispanic Leadership Institute. Because I, I mean, I'll admit my, my, my perspective, my perception of the organization was it wasn't for me. Loud, frizzy haired, Puerto Rican girl. I just didn't see myself there. And then I saw that they had a partnership with the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Now the Tulsa Latin American Chamber of Commerce opened up the Hispanic Leadership Institute. And I thought, okay, well, maybe they're ready for me. Maybe, maybe I belong in this. I don't know. I'll test it out. So I put my toe in the water. I enjoyed it. And it was great. And I had the opportunity to join and, and then facilitate that and, and see what the different programs that we have. But I'm glad I needed that that first toe. But to be transparent, I wouldn't have joined Leadership Tulsa if it weren't for members of a like community that I felt safe and validated in inviting me in. So that's kind of the secret sauce of why we keep getting bigger and bigger. Some of our listeners might have heard of Leadership Tulsa as sort of a, um, a class that you are a part of for a year. But Leadership Tulsa offers a lot of other programs. Can you quickly summarize those for us? Yes, yes. So you'd mentioned the traditional program that offers a 360 view of our, our city and also offers a board internship. Now, 
all of our programs focus on three different levers, if you were thinking of knowledge, skills, and connections, knowledge of the city, the individual skill sets, individual leadership development skill sets, and then connections. That's increasing your social capital and resources to awesome things happening in our community. Each one of our programs, whether it's Leadership Tulsa or several of our community engagement impact programs, dial up different things. Leadership Tulsa, the traditional program you're you referring to, that is, like I said, a 360 view of our city, and it really dials up, I would say, connections and knowledge of our city. Now, if you're looking at a different bucket, specific programs that dial up individual skill sets, your individual leadership development for you to make an impact, whether it's your professional life goals or within our community through service, that is going to be like our Thrive program. So if you see an issue or challenge you want to address it and it's a passion of yours and you want to be a part of that solution, that's a good program for you. You've got the Hispanic Leadership Institute, which is one of our identity-based leadership programs, which is helpful. It's a different, it's a different feel, I'll admit, uh, in exploring what does identity mean, leadership development mean with people of, of shared identities and the nuances of that. And what does that mean addressing the issues in our city? Same with Lead Together, and that's with our partnership with Oklahomans for Equality, uh, for those that identify as LGBTQ or allies. We also have, let's see, New Voices. And New Voices is, a, is specifically a board internship experience, and it's to increase the underrepresented uh, voices, you know, representation across all of our boards, across nonprofit boards in the city of Tulsa, but it's also for-profit boards. We've kind of evolved it and we have a partnership with the city of Tulsa, which is basically increasing a pipeline of, of new leaders serving on authority boards and commissions for our city. And that I think, and we do have a partnership with Typros that also offers a board internship for our young professionals. And we're just kind of ebb and flowing. We just responded. I did that one too. So that's actually that three, three leader, there you go. leadership so, Tulsa so programs. He, he's done three. Three of them. Okay, Jesse, you need to catch up. No, no. Um, but basically all that to say, um, we lead with humility in the sense that if community members and community organizations find a need and they feel like we can support them in that need, we definitely want to do this in partnership. So that's how new programs really evolve or, or come about. Do do you want to mention uh, Tulsa Changemakers, or they get enough press as it is? I yes. Oh, I feel so bad that I didn't mention them. <laughs> They're amazing. They're amazing. They were founded by uh, Jake Lerner and Andrew Spector. They are challenging the the assumption that young people can't lead. It's not young people can be future leaders. Young people could be leaders now. And just exactly, that's why they're called change makers. So they, they give them kind of design thinking concepts and uh, for each school, kids in middle school and high school, for them to see an issue in their, in their community, in their school and leverage the assets in their school to address that issue. So it's definitely asset-based community development, which is really cool. I wish I had that when I was 11. No, that would have been great. I was told to, to go and be a leader eventually, but was never really given much direction in that. It's like, you're learning these skills for later. I'm like, okay, that's great. Transparently, that's like a plug. You should definitely, I mean, Jake and Andrew are great, but ideally you definitely need to interview one of their change oh, makers. That, that, was, that was on the list. Their young leaders are brilliant and they're going to be a much cooler interview than this right now. <laughs> I mean, this is just, now yeah. it's just going downhill at this point. I mean, point. full disclosure, this, this podcast uh, came out of me doing the Thrive Tulsa program, Thrive 2, Thrive Harder, which is certainly better than Thrive 1. 
of the you it's know a little competition. Yes, like again, trying to identify a problem. And problem, and the problem I'm focusing on is awareness of all of the great things happening in town and how one can be supportive and helpful to those causes. Yeah, and I think you know, speaking of the skills you can develop and thrive, I think something I appreciate coming from a, a corporate environment is. I think two of the skills that are the hardest to develop in people are critical thinking and uh, change management. Those are almost impossible to develop. And it seems as more people are coming into the workforce, they have even less skill at that. And I think that's something that we got a lot of practice in. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it had to do with how we were challenged in different environments and the way we had to think through a problem without taking into account, you know, backing off from all our biases and what we think a problem is and actually having to look at all the different parts of it, who's involved and, you know, look at, you know, who all is at the table to think about a problem rather than, you know, kind of taking the easy view of the problem. So that's something that I really enjoyed and got out of the program. No, it really made you understand that certain problems can only be truly addressed by the people living those problems and not... Mm -hmm by, say, random middle-class white person from Broken Arrow. Problems are complicated, all of them, no matter how simple they may seem from the outside. They are not. If they were simple, they would have been solved by now. And to that point, though, the magic sauce, though, truly for Thrive and just about any one of our programs is being in a space where you do, like you had said, you uh, white middle-class at Broken Arrow, at the same time, this frizzy Puerto Rican girl from North Tulsa, like together exploring issues and hearing each other experience things. That's what's helpful because there's something that we can learn from one another and leverage that as assets. I know that you also do diversity and inclusion training Mm -hmm. sort of like as your side hustle or I've never actually asked, is it, (laughs) is it officially part of your leadership Tulsa like employment or is it something you're you're asked to do separately? (laughs) Uh, both, both, I guess that's a good way of saying I do consultancy work through Leadership Tulsa, but it's because I started um, one of my first mentors jobs. I kind of blanked trying to give this person a name, but they were so much for me in the beginning of my career, really started with um, the Division of Institutional Diversity for Oklahoma State University. And that was because I was always the loud person complaining, like, why are you looking at me to represent all Latinos in the world? Hmm. And because I kept on asking those questions, I had faculty look at me and saying, well, what else should we do? Like, what, what do you, what do you want to do about it? And they gave me this awesome opportunity to be first off support how they recruit and retain students, teach diversity and inclusion. Um, I mean, straight out of college, I, I honestly, looking back, I kind of, it was a, mm, there was a lot of trust in me. I was still a kid. These people I was teaching were probably just a year younger than me. But uh, it was it was interesting for me to understand the assumptions and biases that I had when it comes to diversity and inclusion and how at the core of it for me and my like my uh, leverage point on moving the needle is just inquiry, always being curious, uh, curious about the world around you, the world within you and what's your role within that. Um, I was fascinated by how you sort of handle your own ideas and biases while doing diversity and inclusion training. Cause I imagine I'm making an assumption here that some of the trainings you do, you go into a room full of all white people and have to tell them, this is how you be more diverse and inclusive while also remembering that within that group of white people, there is also diversity yeah. just of a different kind. Yeah. And you have to honor that 
and then push a little bit. It's really a lot of uh, meaning making. And I know that sounds really flashy, like I'm using jargon. But at the end of the day, it's just if we all come together and, and at least name the thing that we want and the thing that we're afraid of, and we all hear each other name that thing, then we can move. We can make some sort of movement. Does that make sense? It's not magical, but there are some amazing diversity, equity, inclusion professionals throughout Tulsa and uh, throughout our state. Uh, I always feel weird saying that that's like I'm a DEI professional, like I'm, I'm a DEI expert because I just I personally am against that concept because I think it's a continuum and you're always growing and developing. Like, you know, you're I use that the racism in your teeth analogy a lot. Like you don't just brush your teeth once and then you're done. I mean, like you, there's always something uh, uh, unfolding and in, in, in you reflecting as you meet new people and encounter new experiences. I think this might be a, no, a moment where I noticed a difference in us because my brain went to a different analogy. It was, uh, it's more like alcoholism. So even when you stop drinking, you're still an alcoholic for all your life. So, so even as you're trying to avoid your biases, even with, when you're actively stopping, you're, uh, they're still there, you know, you just are aware of them. So you never completely move away from them. Yeah. I don't want to make it an affliction. Yes. I just want us to like, how could, yes, I do agree with you. That is a good analogy, but I guess I, I would think that's like a negative. Well, that's what I like, mean. I don't want to make it yeah. look like an affliction. I go, I go with the negative analogy. Yeah. Yours is a nice well, brushing the teeth. Yeah. I think we need to workshop this. So the, the Latinx person thought of uh, teeth brushing, the Catholic person thought of alcoholism. Uh, I'm not even sure what the Jewish analogy would be. But could you, yeah. Could sad. you give me, you know what? Actually, that wasn't, let me validate. That was a very good, I want to see the assets and let's see our commonalities. And does that, how does that land with you, Jesse, from from your background and your, well, I, your I, perspective? I had a similar feeling to you, which is that always having to be the spokesman for your minority is exhausting. And really the only way to sort of live that life is to find ways of making it about something else other than just your minority status. So when people would ask me about Judaism, I would answer them. And then I'd also ask them about their faith and make it more of a conversation and just like less me behind like a, a glass at a zoo. And I think it was one of the things that Jesse and I sort of bonded over when we first met is that I was Catholic in a town that was largely Baptist and non-denominational. Yeah. yeah, evangelical. Mm. And so I would often get questions about Catholicism, what it was, and Jesse would get those questions about Judaism. So it was something we sort of bonded yeah. over the fact that we were both often told that we were going to hell while we were in middle school. Yeah. So Oh, yeah. I was like, I understand why I'm going to hell. Could you please uh, talk about the hundreds of years of whatever, whatever that your people represent? Yes. In a moment. Mm -hmm. You represent all of them. Of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah, it's exhausting. I feel like we're getting very serious. Let's... Do we need to line up? I think so. So tell me your biggest office pet peeve and who's responsible yeah. for it. Name, <laughs> name names. <laughs> I'm guessing I'm guessing it's Kendall. Uh, <laughs> Kendall, I do not condone this message. Um, <laughs> you know what? I'm actually a big fan of The Office, um, not just the show, but also my office. My pet peeve, I really appreciate my colleagues being asset-based here. But I'll be honest, I get antsy and I just want to walk out. I want to explore the community so a lot. I really enjoy having meetings with community, with just hanging out. Like if I really want to understand... Uh, the logic behind a certain community or neighborhood, I'm going to hang out at their coffee shop or 
what's going on, I don't know, like just at a park and then just explore and take it in and then randomly interview people and ask. And that's where I get really good interview points of like, hey, have you talked to so-and-so, the owner of this? He would be a great interview for Leadership Tulsa or they would be, I'm about to break your materials here. Um, or um, yeah, no, they're involved in this other coalition and blah, 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 blah. It's so the whole office environment, I feel like it's a big drag because you're stuck in in an office. Yeah. And I just want to be, you know, sometimes I want to be in a nice little corner and get things done, but I also want to enjoy life. And <laughs> so is that horrible? The pet peeve is the office. The, the but, office yeah. itself, not a person. But I, I love, but I just want you to know, I love my team. They're all amazing. We push each other to be better. We make it happen in our, our team. Like I'm actually probably all of their pet peeves. If I'm going to be transparent at this moment, so one of our office values at Leadership Tulsa is make it happen. We as a team, we're going to leverage our skill sets and like no matter what, if something's going on, we're going to make it happen. Like there's a last minute change in a class day, a conference, whatever. We're going to make it happen. Um, What's the term that you like to use for yourself? Or is it Wendy that likes to you? Healthy disruptor? Yeah, the healthy disruptor, which is a really, you know, it's a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> it's a euphemism because when everybody's ready to be like, okay, we're all good. And I'm the healthy disruptor. That's like, mm, but are we, have we thought of, <laughs> have we talked to these people? Have I'm, we gone we? to this place? I believe another term for that is chaos Muppet. <laughs> Chris and I also are. I like that. Well, but I would say the make it happen is one value, but then in parentheses underneath make it happen in really tiny print is until like, don't ever let it happen again. So <laughs> there was a thing. I'm not going to call out any other office members, but I'm going to call myself out. I, forgot to order catering for a large group of people and the events like mm, next week, you know, like it was, it was within days and Kendall, she's so awesome. She's like, okay, so when is the event? Marcia. <laughs> okay. And she quickly made it happen. She, you know, pulled some strings. She knows she's got this awesome network. And that's an example of until like, don't ever let that happen again. So yeah, no, I am the office pet peeve. If that's a good nice. way, I'll clear that. <laughs> well, that. That leads me into my the, the next question I wanted to ask you, which is I I'm one of those people that instead of like just sticking to a sort of to do list or you know project management system, always try to come find the newest hippest one that will do all the things for me instead of like just <laughs> writing them down and doing them. So I was wondering like. How do you keep track of things? What is your way of managing yourself and your time and the things you have to do? Oh, wow. Okay. So this is a really deep conversation. Well, like, are you a sticky notes person? Are you an app person? Are you a, I'm just going to remember it? Oh, no, I can't. I don't trust my memory whatsoever. <laughs> mm -mm, nope. Um, and I'd like to say it's old age, but I think I'm younger than the two of you. Probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> So I don't, I don't think it's that. It doesn't get better. It does. <laughs> Jesse. Okay. Okay. Um, I use a combination of different things, but it's honestly an evolution. I used to be, I used to buy the most expensive calendar and I'd have this like outlook reminders and this awesome detailed Excel file, Excel sheet that I would color code things. And it was awesome. But then it lasted for 2.5 weeks. That's being generous. A week. It lasted a week. And then I realized I kept on trying to push myself to follow a certain system. And then it wasn't really until Wendy, uh, who's the awesome executive director of Leadership Tulsa, said, you got to find a system that works for you. So that made me think of what is it that I keep changing it to? And then that become my system. 
kind of like the whole how student unions and universities are built where they don't put sidewalks. They just wait for like a semester to see where the grass has been worn down and that's where they put the sidewalk. That's kind of what I did. I did a reflection this last year and I realized I have a combination. Um, I do voice right before I go to bed. I do random voice memos on my phone and it, it, you know, types out. Sometimes the phone doesn't understand my accent. (laughs) But um, and then that reminds me in the morning. And then I have like this um, uh, kind of like checklist on a certain planner that I use it's old school. Um, and on that checklist, if it's a, a certain, I want to make sure that my time is used. I use Outlook. I literally calendar in, work on this for 15 minutes, use restroom 10 minutes. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's my Outlook is absurd. And I color code the hell out of my Outlook, but I love it. Um, I do this massive wall uh, calendar. Um, and it basically helps me have a, because I'm a very visual person, it gives me a visual of all the programs that have happened or will be happening over the next two years. It's pretty intense because you have to calendar a lot of people uh, way in advance. Kind of like, I'm pretty sure when I, when the philanthropods, you know, is going to continue going, I'm going to have to calendar you out for a year in advance to come be interviewed <laughs> by Leadership Tulsa. Um, it's stuff like that. Um, and then all in all, um, I always have a reflective moment at the end of every day. What did I do to move certain things forward? Because I need to pat myself on the back. I realize I like, I I need to be like, you did this good job when I felt frantic, like, but you at least did this today. And I have that moment. I think about how, if I moved certain programs forward, if I personally, I was a good mom that day. Like I, I decided to to pack my kids lunch and not forget about it and go to quick trip for a quick the quick trip bucket thing that they have. Um, it's little stuff like that. I remembered my husband's birthday and didn't confuse it with my son's. It's I needed I needed an appreciative moment at the end of the day. So to answer your question, no fancy new technology. It is actually a combination of post-its, wall calendars, lists, outlook, and a team that reminds me when I inevitably forget something. <laughs> and just uh, honestly, an attitude that you're okay with being corrected and supported like that. And the ability to do things on the fly at the last second on occasion. I, that, I have that skill. Yep. Like, <laughs> yeah. I've discovered that deadlines focus me. And if I don't give myself a deadline or I'm not given a deadline, it's never going to get done. Someone has to tell me it's due at a certain time because that focuses my mind. Otherwise, I'm like, oh, I'll work on other things. Yeah. So. So you made a pop culture reference earlier mm-hmm. to The Office. You've also mentioned in some of your classes that you don't always connect with a lot of the same pop culture references <laughs> as others. So we've never really dug into. I'm curious, what are some of the pop culture stuff that you grew up with that kind of gave you a, a little bit of a different view of pop culture than um, some of the people in your classes? To give context... It's because your class, Chris, had um, an attention getting, you know, usually when some people like ring a bell just to get the group's attention or they do that, you know, clap once, clap Mm -hmm. twice, you know, or they say some word. Chris's class had you say the first half of a movie quote and then they say the other half. And um, I wouldn't know any of their movie quotes. (laughs) That's something I think Chris printed out like a whole list of movie quotes for me to help me out. I think it was the top hundred movie quotes or something like that. (laughs) Just to hope that people would know. And then I think Steve, uh, one of your classmates who uh, just awesome. He does. He's him and Lily. they, They did the human library project. 
gave me the a quote that was a curse word. Like he did the first half of a quote, and I didn't think it was like super no big deal. And I said it, and then everybody's reaction was like, oh, "Marcia!" Like Lily's face, Marcia. <laughs> So, yes, I just wanted to give the audience, yeah. you know, just some context. Do you remember a specific movie quote she did not know? Like, <laughs> I, I, I was trying to remember some. I mean, because we used a lot of the cl- classic type ones. I think the one that stuck was. Um, the only one I could remember was There's No Crying. Yeah, There's in, No Crying in Basement. That's, that's the only one I can remember. Yeah, that's, that's over and over again. That's a good one. And transparently, I didn't watch that movie. I yeah. just remember it as a kid as the commercials mm-hmm. for like, what is it, TNT or whatever, cla- yeah. something classic movie, whatever. They would have the commercials and they would be that. But so my why, what pop culture reference, I, I had mentioned before, I'm Puerto Rican. I grew up. Um, Wait, you're Puerto Rican? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. Shocker. Shocker there. Uh Proud Boricua, for anybody that's listening, I hear you. I hear you. And I also know where to get the good sofrito in town, so give me a call. Um, so I would, I would. Um, my parents, Puerto Rican, moved from uh, the island to the mainland whenever I was like probably five or six. I don't really remember. It's kind of a blur. And then they came here to the mainland with um, my grandmother, who's kind of took care of us as my parents were working. Well, um, the only English my grandmother knew was very limited. And she thought, I watched telenovelas a lot or maybe a lot of um, uh, maybe like church shows, like the Catholic sermon, uh, yeah, liturgy, all that, those things in Spanish. But she really loved Patrick Swayze. He was so beautiful to her. And I remember being like, Abuela, please, are you serious? I get that. I'd be like, he was so, she loved Patrick Swayze. So the one pop culture reference I do know is Dirty Dancing. <laughs> and that's the, and I mean, it's really absurd. What, rewatching it as an adult, like it's that's, terrible. why would I watch, why would my <laughs> abuela, my abuela of all people who's like this pillar of this awesomeness, she thought that was a good movie. She thought Patrick Swayze was like this. He was the American dream. <laughs> uh, I, I was so hoping it was going to be Roadhouse instead of Dirty Dancing. Yeah, Roadhouse is great. So like, but it was like Patrick Swayze, really? So then, but then I got to see people in movies that looked like me, which was like Rosie Perez, right? So I saw her, Andy Garcia. So I saw the world through my parents' eyes, which is kind of in all, I mean, despite the fact that the Puerto Rican being a territory of the United States and U.S. citizenship, we really had an immigrant experience, right? So the food tasted different. The smells in my house were different. The language was different. The colors were different. Um, it was in, outside of the house was different, right? So like inside of the house, our tooth fairy was a rat, a raton. So how do you go to school and be like, oh, did you have a tooth fairy? This cute, plumpy little woman with wings leave you money? No, I had a rat. <laughs> left me a button <laughs> like what kind of conversation is that frankly that sounds more practical yeah, to me. Listen, listen, I, I, I grew up in a household where like i was given the money by my mom my dad was like you don't believe in fairies this is stupid we're not doing this so <laughs> so it was pre- <laughs> so that's good to know that we all have different we perspectives do, we do but my point is is that like um uh, so a lot of my references weren't pop culture of my age frame but it's also a lot of maybe, and I don't want to presume that this is immigrant experience, but things that were popular 20 years ago then would be current for my parents. So I know a lot of maybe, uh, what is it? I don't even know. That song, Sweet Dreams. Uh, like sweet Dreams are- Made of these. Yeah. yeah. That song was one of my dad's favorite songs. And it's 
I remember it as a kid singing it because I'm practicing my English and we're singing it in the car. But that's a weird like what how many how many eight year olds do you know? Or singing that song of of our age range is millennials. Well, I was thinking of the did Marilyn Manson cover that? Yeah, yeah I was thinking like, of that version. I was like, that's a weird thing that we've grown up on. <laughs> but I mean, it's just stuff like that. But I the benefit of my pop culture references, um, and the benefit of being of knowing a different language is that I always ask for clarification, and things just mean a different thing for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, words I can explain the world in a lot more vivacious, colorful language. Um, and I can kind of navigate between the two. I used to think it was a bad thing because of either accent or I had to take the time to translate, but it's, it's a superpower. And how has that kind of, how has that changed as you've gotten older? How do you, has your affinity for pop culture changed? I mean, obviously you mentioned the office, but yeah. do you, do you find yourself gravitating to, you know, things that are more popular or do you still gravitate towards oh. either older stuff or or whatever your that, your kids are into these days oh yeah my like goodness that. yeah yeah we're a paw patrol house um <laughs> get out <laughs> <laughs> we're a we're a paw patrol house pokemon <laughs> God, i can't believe pokemon are still big pokemon big since we were kids um i would say do i gravitate towards what's popular now probably not i think i was always an older lady Just to describe who I was at eight years old Mm -hmm. is the style I had at eight years old is now appropriate at my age of 32, right? Like I just was always this. So I liked older things. So Golden Girls is watched in my house a lot. I see them. I was watching them. I love that you have the little... The little action figures of Golden Girls. Yep. The whole collection um, of Funko Pops. In, my, in the I, w- I, I would say Abuela Mija is a combo of if you could have Sophia and Rose together. That was my <laughs> Abuela Mija. Like Sophia in Spanish, but in English with her, you know, limited English language and her nice, sweet voice, she was Rose. Interesting. So she had like this duality. Again, awesome woman. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, what's what's hip now? I, I want to ask you. Like, what's hip now? I don't what know. What's hip now? I know. I know. I feel like we're probably the wrong people. We to are. Ask. I mean, Chris and I speak in a language of references from the mid to late nineties, and that's oh, pretty much it. I'm so. a big fan of Babylon Five. Oh, yeah, love Babylon Five. Babylon yeah. 5. Yeah. Oh, so good. It was just like it was a show way ahead of its time. It really was. It, yes, Ser- serialized television. Like, if you missed an episode, you had no idea what was going exactly. on. Exactly. It's it so such good. A, it was an arc, and then you could understand true if you're going to do thrive concepts the true stakeholder mapping yes, yeah. faction mapping mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. how you can leverage different assets from different stakeholders speaking to the vulnerabilities and things like that honestly so that one five b5 do you find yourself using some of you know what you've learned i mean can you i guess have, do you have trouble kind of turning off some of that either you know <laughs> the concepts from leadership <laughs> training diversity inclusion training all of that is it just kind of ingrained in you uh, yes and no, but more ingrained would be the, the cheesy nerdy jokes, the, that, that core identity is ingrained, mm-hmm. but yes, it is hard to turn off like faction mapping those fun little words. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I would be like, so who's at the table or mm-hmm. who, uh, or maybe use the terminology. Do you trust this alien life form? Do you trust? Like, why don't you trust? Like, yes. Basically, Leadership Tulsa has made my weird idiosyncrasy nerd nerd things into a, a, a superpower that I can actually use for this is now an analogy for leadership development. 
So I love that's why I love my job. I think that's awesome. I, there you go. I, I just see, recruited. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you need to take Babylon Five and you need to build that out into a presentation for Leadership Tulsa. Oh no, yeah, that's I would, that could a whole it could be a, a if class, no one a else program. at least two people would yep. attend. <laughs> oh yeah, B five. God, B five. And I mean, it was even one of the first shows that had. Um, uh, like a same-sex love interest without making it a thing. Mm-hmm. Just it was yeah, supernatural. Yeah. It was no big, by supernatural, I mean like it was super normal. Yeah. Not the super, show Supernatural. Yeah. Yeah. Which is finally like, ending after like 18,000 years. Is, which is a shame. Like I, I hate when you see shows that you're so excited. You're like, wow, there's a brown person. Woo. It mm-hmm. shouldn't be magical. Like it should be right. like they are they yeah. are a valid member of society. Same thing with with same-sex relationships. I think B5 was ahead of its time for that. Yeah. I mean, again, I do the same thing with my minority status. I'm like, every time I see a sci-fi show and a Jewish person shows up in the background, I'm like, yes, we made it. (laughs) See that person. That person has naturally curly hair. I was seen today. (laughs) (laughs) I was seen. Let me ask you this. With all the like leadership training and diversity inclusion training you do, how often do you find yourself, say, in conversations or arguments with your significant other and family do you find yourself using those strategies to win those arguments i feel like this is a therapy session today (laughs) especially since we use that remember that training y'all went through that was called the interpersonal leadership style you looked at how we process the world differently analyzers process this way they're asking different questions than persuaders and things like that um counselors in the house yeah (laughs) counselor slash persuader Listen, director, just sit there and be quiet. I don't think directors can do that. I know. <laughs> he's trying so hard. But we need you. We need you. Yeah, you need right. to tell Thank us what you, to do. Chris. He's <laughs> Thank great. you, Chris. Thank you for He's great at planning trips. So. You know what? He's doing, he's flexing his style. He's listening, remember? Mm, active listening. Act, there you go. It, it, it's a skill that comes in handy in podcast recording, too, so, and interviewing. I would say um, it it helps when my, my partner, uh, his name is Nate, uh, when when we are going after something together. So like if we're something happened with the kids, we're on it. We leveraged each other's strengths. We kind of think through things. And honestly, so much of how he processes the world, it's, it's naturally innate. I just have the fancy like leadership term for it, but it helps me be a little bit more patient as he mm-hmm. processes things. Um, so Nate has innate skills. It, there we go. But the thing is, Nate, on the other hand, Sometimes it's like, hey, 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 this is not a class. Don't like, <laughs> you know, don't leadership me here, ma'am. <laughs> so there's that. And I mean, vulnerably, there could be a whole different podcast on um, how to be a good partner, spouse, mm-hmm. parent, and how to humble yourself when things hit the fan. I was going to curse. I don't know if we were there yet. You can curse. Mierda. Nice. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, Making it bilingual here. Apple won't know. So <laughs> the thing I think I use the most, and I don't know if I'm, you know, giving away something you normally have to take the class for, is the is staying low on the ladder. Oh yeah, 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 Ooh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. That's something that I use all the time and not to give away too much, but it's taking the time to take a second before you uh let all your assumptions and biases draw you to a conclusion when you, you know, haven't taken the time to gather data and understand the situation. It's the thing I learned. It's always about slowing down the natural processes. Our brains are like evolutionary trained to do is what good leadership and good active listening, all the skills we learned are all how to process that that is happening Mm -hmm. and slow it down to think our way backwards. 
At yeah. least that's how I viewed it. Well, so. but that's that makes sense. But it's also situational. So, the, oh, yeah. you know, I'm going to save you the graduate degree. There's a whole thing with situational leadership. <laughs> There's a whole thing on that. But you got to understand your situation and it requires for you to dial up something different. You wouldn't want um, a first responder where if you're right. like, you know, there's there's a car. I don't know. In this image, I see a car on top of Chris and there's like a we have a 10 second window to save his life. At that moment, you wouldn't want that first responder to be like, hmm, let me check my biases in this yeah. moment. Are all the appropriate cars at the table here? It's like yeah. you want that person to act. I'm both, right. I'm going to both climb down the uh, assumption ladder and the, uh, this physical ladder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But so I think it's kind of it's situational. So, mm. yes, yes, I love that we really promote the idea of just slowing down, remaining curious, asking questions, reflecting on yourself as well before you act. Mm. Um, but I also don't want to belittle the the skill set of just acting, yeah. you know. No, that's that's a good point. I think with me, it's when I'm making when I find myself making an assumption about somebody else in a situation. Your voice got really deep and sorry. Sensual. Sorry, I was yeah. I, I was like moving closer else. to yes, the. No, that's fine. Yes, no, but like if I I see someone and I find myself thinking something about them when I don't know anything about them, that's when I take a step and like, okay, am I just jumping to an, a mm-hmm. conclusion because I had a bad experience with somebody that looked like them? Maybe you know that sort of thing. So those type of situations, or when something is, we'll say, less than life threatening. Those are good times when I try to force myself to. Jesse's good at, at helping me with things like that. I when I, especially if I'm trying to plan something. Well, I think a director counselor is one of the ultimate combos. <laughs> I think persuader analyzers are a great combo. That's Wendy and I, and actually most of all of Leadership Tulsa's staff are analyzers, and I'm the really loud persuader, mm-hmm. loud enough for one, I guess. Um, and But a, a director-analyzer combo with your Scott styles is you want to just do, let's do this, let's make it happen. <laughs> and Jesse's like, natural talent is, you right. know, who's on board? If you're right. leading, look around to see who's around you and supporting you in this. Like, if, mm-hmm. no, if you just walked up and nobody's behind you, right. eh, that's a problem. And let's when, check in. Let's when check Jesse's in. stuck on on high center, I'm I'm good at pushing him off to get him get him going that's true. again. <laughs> that's true. Listen, it's a it's a good partnership yeah. because someone needs to do all the detail stuff, and that's not going to be me. So <laughs> somebody, sp- yeah, somebody. somebody needs a Chris. <laughs> um, we, we've been throwing around terms, and uh, we were making assumptions that our listeners knew what the we got to be low on the ladder yeah, here. The, the Thank personality you. test that is uh, yeah. broken up into four categories of counselor, persuader. Uh, director and analyzer. I was actually a persuader counselor right on the line and the the most chaotic of uh, of our class, if I recall. Yeah. Or, sorry, spontaneous, not chaotic, but... <laughs> we want to be asset-minded, right? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm spontaneous. <laughs> so you mentioned that you like to plan things out, sometimes put stuff way years mm-hmm. out, right? Program stuff like that. Do you have like a dream program that oh. you want. Oh my goodness. If we, you well, had all covered. the resources <laughs> you needed, what what's hmm. what's that big big dream out there? It doesn't have to be within Leadership Tulsa, but just oh. what's that big dream that you you would Wait. want? This is a really wow. This is super meta cuz my challenge to be your facilitator for Thrive was you all had to have a big dream and deal mm-hmm. and and make it happen. And now you're asking me <laughs> what that is. Oh, the tables have turned. Oh, how the tables. This is hard. Um, yeah, it's okay. hard. <laughs> wasn't that, wasn't that, wasn't your survey due tonight? Jesse, you're supposed to tell me what you're supposed to be doing. Um, okay. It's uh, uh, coming after this podcast recording. So, 
I would. He's actually just sending you this podcast. Yeah. That's, it's basically this. Boom. <laughs> I have a lot of dreams. I have a lot of dreams. Um, the first one for sure is the B5 program we had referenced earlier. Obviously. Um, yeah. The second one is, ooh, if it's a program, you said a program. It doesn't have to be. I threw out the ooh. term program, but, but is there. Well, I kind of want to have opportunities for. I know change makers have youth at the table, maybe serving on boards now, but I want to take it a little bit step further. And this idea of intergenerational knowledge. So if you have a somebody and I and actually Andrew Spector shared with me a program that exists in a different part of the United States where it's like a what did they say? Something sage and something program. But basically you have elders in the community that are in retirement and then you have young professionals and then there's kind they they learn from each other. Right. But I wanted to take the the step of just you've got elders in the community, you've got people that are currently working age now, uh, and having to answer to the IRS. That's kind of how I define working age because it changes. And then you've got the younger generation, the young leaders throughout schools, and it'd just be really neat if they had a program where they're develop, developing a project where they all matter. It's not just the elder is I'm I'm seniority or the young person is feeling the lowest on the totem pole, but truthfully just all of them are contributing and they care together. I don't know. I'm not really describing a program other than just fusing thrive leadership Tulsa and change makers and some <laughs> sprinkling of all the other programs into one, but that would be one idea. And another one is I would love to travel the world and just eat food and talk about it and talk about it and relate that to leadership development. That's that's a dream. I think that sounds awesome. Let's, yeah, let's make it happen. Awesome. Like yeah. just eat food and and relate that to leadership development and enjoy people talking about that food. I well, don't know. Again, like traveling the world and interacting with uh, different cultures and hearing different languages mm-hmm. and doing some, uh, you know, seeing and and being in different cultures is a way of expanding your own you know knowledge base and list of assumptions you won't naturally mm-hmm. jump to, which yeah. is what I always enjoy about traveling. I'm like, oh, this is this is different and interesting. Like, why do they do it this way? Yeah. What's the, what's the quote? I, I always misquote. It's like travel is the enemy of prejudices. It's that getting out there and experiencing the mm-hmm. world is the, is the best way to, to get through those. Exposure. Yeah. You also, yeah. you also learn the, the metric system makes a thousand times more sense than the thing we use. So exposure. That's a good thing. That's actually something I wanted to talk about. So real quick, the benefit superpower I mentioned that knowing different languages is a superpower, but also sometimes it makes me question if I'm saying something appropriate or inappropriate in the language I'm speaking. Words like you notice that in the classes when I teach, I say reflection and I don't want to say debrief because I picture somebody taking off their underwear. <laughs> Interesting. That's what I picture. Listen, I've always thought that too. I'm like, it's a weird, it's a weird yeah. word to debrief. exist. Yeah. I was we, actually like, wondering just... where you're going when you pause at exposure. Exposure. Yeah. Like, there you go. Speaking of exposure. exposure. <laughs> so there you go. That, yeah. Is yeah. that a sound effect? We're not doing that. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> listen, we're, we're still working on the sound effects. There, there we go. It is. Thank you. For our listeners who didn't hear that one. There we go. Ah. How do you balance your professional personality and your personal personality? Mm. So I'm actually not motivated by showing people something that they may not like. Cause I'm actually, I love people feeling uncomfortable and seeing what they don't like that healthy disruptor. Fair enough. <laughs> so I'm actually more balancing protecting my, my children, my family, my partner. Was it my story to share? 
or not, you know, like that's them. They mm. need to be the authors of their story and not me sharing it because it's their story. Uh, the other thing is, is the line, and I'm sure that you, I, I don't want to make the assumption that you've, you've, you're familiar with this. So I'll just go ahead and share um, being a person of color in spaces uh, where sometimes you may be the first or the only and have a lot of different identities too. I have to tote the line of if I speak up, what are the implications for a whole community that I know people are going to make an assumption about, right? That's, that's heavy. That's heavy. And um, there's different ways to, to navigate that probably more than to discuss on a podcast, but I <laughs> yeah. mean, stay tuned. <laughs> Was that yeah. one of the examples, Jesse, where you said I can, um, I can understand what you No, what was it? I can empathize. I can empathize, but I cannot understand. I mean, no matter what group you identify with, you have multiple, not multiple personalities, but multiple identities. And I know what it feels like to be othered in a group, but what I, but I also know that I can unother myself by pretending to blend in if I want to as Mm -hmm. a white person. Well, and I think that's, you know, when people talk about white privilege, one of the most pervasive is that there's a certain anonymity with being white. Like you said, you can blend in. People don't expect me to represent or speak for a larger group of people. They just, if I'm in a situation, generally it's, well, before being in Thrive and Leadership Tulsa and some of the places that, that we I got to experience, I'm seen as just another person that is normally in that situation, you know. Which honestly may change. Like if you showed mm-hmm. up to any one of our different programs, that might not be the case. Or you said exposure to travel. Mm-hmm. If you were in a different part of the world, that might not be the case. But thank you for sharing that. Because yeah. I'll admit I have to check my biases, right? My my, even though I said, you know, it's a it's a spectrum, it's a growth process, it's a journey. I don't, I'm not going to say I, that's why I'm against the whole DEI expert because we're always growing. But the first thing I check as you're talking is like, mm, okay, tell me, white man, <laughs> tell me how it's hard for you, yeah. please. No, I'm interested. I'm interested today in 2019 in the United right. States of America. Yeah, you know, like I, I have right. all of that narrative behind mm-hmm. me. But that's not you, though. Like, that's it, the, the, what I've experienced in the world, just things that are happening. And yet, mm-hmm. you're right. Unfairly, I'm putting that on you. The same way I'm complaining that everybody is putting the, the why is Puerto Rico in debt, Marcia? I mean, okay. Yeah, it's, why it's is, your fault. Why is that on My me? My question is, why did you get your own performance of Hamilton with <laughs> Lin-Manuel and the cast coming back? That's right. what I want to know. <laughs> Haven't you had enough already? <laughs> Haven't we given enough? <laughs> Thank you again for joining us. Um, I'll let you get back to your, your family here soon. Other than the office, which you've already pointed out, in this nerd cave that you are currently in, which is our studio, Okay. is there something you see that you love or something that you want me to explain to you? Oh. Because you're like, what is that? Why is that there? Okay. Okay. There's a lot to take in. I, I want to describe because this is a, a visual medium right now. I have mm-hmm. to describe <laughs> with my words. So I see Golden Girls action figures, mm-hmm. the kind that would sell at like Spencer's Gifts if it exists anymore. Um, and I see driver's license. No, no, no. License plates. That's what they're called. See a lot of DVDs. <gasps> you have all of B5. I do. I just uh, yep. noticed it. Yep. Yeah, okay. I love B5. 
Wow, I didn't like the movies. No, movies why are did, weird. Why did they do that? No, the, the only time we got to see Babylon 5 in like HD was the, the worst movie they ever made. I didn't so. like the movie. No. I didn't like the movies. Um, Looking, looking. I want to call that a Barbie, but I know that that would be a problem. How dare you? That's Captain Benjamin Sisko from DS9. Okay. Is, okay. Okay. I found, I would like the story behind, is that? James Brown? That is James Brown. Okay. okay. I had to clarify because it, he looks more of like a caricature than James yeah. Brown. So I had to. Yeah. It's a. Is that the version that sang with the California Raisins? I think it was. Yes. What? Yeah. Wait a minute. I know California Raisins. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's <laughs> a pop culture thing there was we can a commercial. connect. There was a commercial. Yes. They, they did okay. Like I was like, I was like, that looks like sort of like the animation style of oh, the California mm-hmm. Raisins. He was, I didn't know that that. So my first. Bed sheets as a kid were the California raisins. I feel like I have those wow, bed sheets too. That's amazing. That's let's all connect in this moment. <laughs> yeah. This is great. Okay, so tell me the story behind. Oh God, this I'm trying to remember the story. Uh, so he used to. You hit a little button and he would dance. Uh, that got broken over time. I think my mom. Oh, he looks bu- like he has a displaced hip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's like he's a he's time appropriate, uh, James Brown. Oh, too soon. What? All right. <laughs> Um, I think my mom bought me that. She thought I would think it's funny, which I do. And it lived in my room for the 12 years I lived in Boston. And occasionally I'd call and my mom would just hit the button. And I would hear it through the phone uh, doing its little dance. So it's just like it followed me around. It's very large. And I, I need to fix it. I need to figure out how to fix it. Because now he's just like sort of staring in pain, it kind of looks like. That's... He's like... <laughs> Again, a visual medium podcast right. are. It is, well, yeah. since you are our first guest and thus the guinea pig, uh, because that's the thing you selected, you'll actually be taking a picture with it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll post it so that people can see what oh, we're actually talking about. We will indeed. Oh, good. So, you know, hopefully 200 episodes from now, all the things in this room will have been in a picture. Oh, that's great. Glad that I didn't choose the keyboard cleaner or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the lamp. <laughs> I love lamp. That's also a reference. Or, you know, wait a minute. Can I at least mention this? Just get, letting the audience yeah. know so they could be um, a part of your show. Mm-hmm. And maybe they can choose this. I never seen anyone in my life actually purchase the, as seen on TV, office peddling system. Funny story where, about like, that. Funny story where, about like, that. What, is this? I mean, I didn't know those existed. That was think- actually mine. Uh, <laughs> I don't even remember. Oh, I bought so- it so that I could trick my Fitbit at the time. I wanted to get extra steps because I was trying to beat Jesse on a Fitbit challenge, I think. So I would, right. this is I would not healthy. I would no. clip this it. Clip it I would sock. clip it to my sock <laughs> and I would use the under desk cycle at work to, uh, so to, little, to get extra steps. little mini, like, fake bicycle thing that goes under your desk Mm -hmm. and you pedal. Yes. And then when I started biking to work, I gave it to Jesse because I was like, you know what? This is enough. Yeah. So you you got the full story of the bike. I want somebody to choose that for a picture. I imagine someone will. It exists as seen on TV (laughs) and in in Jesse's office. Maybe someone from the Tulsa Hub will choose that as their... (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. I imagine we'll probably have you on again to talk about more leadership Tulsa stuff well, and all the other work you do. Or doing. other stuff. Other, other stuff. stuff. Anything. I, this is exciting. I want to say, first off, this idea of supporting the awesomeness that's happening in Tulsa, people with ideas and visions and community work, and you're giving them a platform of a podcast 
that's a great way of using your gifts and assets and leveraging somebody else. So I honestly, I'm excited and I'm going to be listening to this. I, I hope we get more than one listener, but we'll see. <laughs> well, you'll listen at least a couple times to make sure it sounds right. Oh, of course. Yeah. So at least six. So, uh, <laughs> and all of my family who I can explain how to do podcasts to. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much. Yes. Thank you again. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening to our inaugural Pods for Good. Please subscribe to our podcast, Pod for Good. That's P-O-D, the number four, good, G-O-O-D, at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review us on Apple, as they are the only one that have a centralized rating system for podcasts. And if you have any questions or suggestions for guests, you can email us at Pods for Good. That's P-O-D-S, the number four, G-O-O-D at gmail.com. And like our Facebook page for updates. Our Facebook page is Podcast for Good. There you'll see fun pictures from our interviews and find out more about who we're talking to next and the organizations we are discussing. Let's get it done, Tulsa. Tulsa.